You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, Calvary Chapel. So good to be here. I have no interest whatsoever in reliving the Super Bowl uh, this year. Uh, It's kind of like Pearl Harbor Day for those of us in Atlanta. If you remember last year, we had it all wrapped up, all wrapped up. We had the, we were shining the trophy. We had it all wrapped up and we collapsed, colossal collapse in the last half and I'm still suffering. So I will be here tonight. I will be praising the Lord. My mind will be 10 million miles from the Super Bowl. Hopefully it'll be a healing moment for me tonight. Well, it's so good to be with you. It's been great this weekend. Uh, what a blessing to be with the couples and see the marriages be encouraged. And God is just so faithful to us. He walks with us. He knows our struggles ahead of time. He goes before us, and it's just great to follow Jesus. And this morning, I hope I can encourage you to do just that. So if you would, if you'll open your Bibles to the Psalms, I'd like for you to turn to the 116th Psalm. In the title of my message this morning, How to Say Thanks to God. Psalm 116. We'll read our text and then we'll pray. Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12, the psalmist asks a question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And then he gives us the answer. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Lord, we're so grateful to be here today to hear from you. Lord, thank you for our time of worship. Lord, where two or three are gathered together, we know you are there among us, and we felt your presence this morning, and now we want to hear from you, Lord. We want you to speak to our hearts as only you can. Lead us and guide us, Lord. We have so much for which we should be thankful. Lord, help us to explore this morning how you want us to say thanks to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Famous pastor and Bible teacher Matthew Henry was once robbed on his way to a meeting. The next day, he wrote of his experience in his diary. He wrote, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And then fourth, because it was I who was robbed not I who robbed. Now, how's that for looking on the bright side? No matter how grim and gloomy your circumstances are today, if you look hard enough, you'll have something for which you can be thankful. 
It's been said, if we pause to think, we'll have cause to thank. Well, if you're having trouble this morning thinking of things that you should be grateful for, here are a few suggestions. If you can't pay your bills, just be thankful you're not one of your creditors. You can be thankful only you and God have all the facts about yourself. Isn't that the case? Even though you haven't gotten all you want, you can be thankful that you haven't gotten what you deserve. If you can't be thankful for what you've received, at least be thankful for what you've escaped. And lastly, we all can be thankful for many blinds. If it weren't for them, it'd be curtains for all of us. Once a teacher asked her fourth grade class to name one thing for which they were thankful. Most of the kids listed their pets and their parents and their possessions. But one little boy responded, I'm thankful for my glasses because they keep me out of a lot of trouble. But the teacher was perplexed. She asked the little guy, how do your glasses keep you out of trouble? The little boy told her, they keep the boys from beating me up and the girls from kissing me. We all should have an attitude of gratitude. And this is especially so for us Americans. If you've ever traveled abroad, you realize that what most Americans scrape off the plate after the meal and send down the garbage disposal would be considered by three-fifths of this world to be a feast fit for a king. When President Coolidge issued his Thanksgiving Day proclamation, he said, we have been a most favored people. We ought to be a most thankful people. We do live in a country that has been richly blessed by God. Americans have so much for which we should be thankful. And if that's true for Americans, it is especially true for Christians. For of all the people in the world, none should be more thankful than those of us who follow Jesus. Folks who have tasted God's wonderful grace. Did you know that the term gratitude is from the root word grace? Gratitude is our response to God's amazing grace. As God has been gracious to us, we should be grateful to him. Think of all God has done for us. He spared not his only son. He's given us life new and never ending, full and free, holy and happy. Add to that a complete pardon a new birth, abounding love, a steadying peace, the presence of his spirit, a supernatural strength, special gifts and callings, brothers and sisters in Christ, even a home in heaven. With all that God has done for us, the least we can do is to be thankful. Bible commentator William Heslop once wrote, to save such a sinner as I, God shall never hear the end of it. That's my sentiment as well. My mom believed in writing thank you notes. When we got a gift, she expected us to sit down and actually write out a thank you. I hated it. I would much rather be outside playing football or riding my bike. Most of the time I'd already said thanks anyway. I figured that should be enough, but not for mom. 
She believed you weren't really thankful unless you took the time and made the effort to express your gratitude in a tangible way. If I ask you, are you thankful for all that God has done for you? I'm sure 99.9% .9 of you this morning would reply, of course I'm thankful. Who isn't thankful? God is so good. But are we thankful enough to express our thanks? I heard the courageous yet sad tale of Edward Spencer. Ned was a Bible college student strolling one day along the shores of Lake Michigan when he saw a boat full of passengers sinking in the cold, choppy waters. With no consideration for his own safety, Ned bravely dove into the icy waters. He swam out into the lake and back to the shore a total of 16 times, rescuing 17 people. After everyone was safe, Ned collapsed from exhaustion on the bank. He never fully recovered from his heroic ordeal. Complications set in that stunted his health and kept Ned from pursuing full-time ministry as he had planned. But to make matters worse, not one of those 17 people that Ned Spencer plucked from Lake Michigan that day ever returned to find him and say thanks. Now, I'm sure if you had tracked down each one of those persons, I'm sure they would have said that they were grateful. But no one bothered to express their gratitude to Ned. Hey, Jesus has made a far greater sacrifice for you and me than Ned did in rescuing those people from the lake. My, oh my, Jesus has rescued us from the lake of fire. But have we taken the time, have we ever seriously made the effort to really say thanks. You remember in Luke chapter 17, Jesus entered a certain village and he met 10 lepers who were crying out for mercy. Jesus healed all 10 of the lepers. And as soon as he did, they raced off to the priest to be pronounced clean and to begin a new life. Only one of the 10 bothered to return and thank Jesus for the miracle. And that's when Jesus asked, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Today, millions the world over have been recipients of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus, but I can still hear him ask, didn't I heal John and Joan? Didn't I save Andy and Ashley? How about the comfort I gave to Bob and Becky? But where are they? And here's my question for us this morning. Are we among the nine nowhere to be found? Or are you and I among the few who have taken the time to truly say thanks? On the bus one day, a man gave up his seat to a woman. His act of courtesy so shocked the lady she fainted. She wasn't used to gracious men. When the lady was finally revived, she thanked the man for his kindness he fainted. Her gratitude so shocked him, he fainted. Neither the man nor the woman were used to gracious and grateful people. And they were shocked by their expressions. And I wonder if God would be shocked if today we stopped complaining about our spouse and our job and our kids and our neighbors and we simply took some time and made an effort to say thanks to God 
for all the many blessings he has lavished upon us. Here in Psalm 116, the psalmist tells us how to say thanks to God. Verse 12 asks the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? In other words, what does God prefer in the way of a thank you? Does God want a thank you note? Does he want a card? Would he prefer some candy and flowers? I mean, how do you show the almighty God that you're thankful for all his benefits? If I'm going to put some time and make the effort to do this, to express my thanks, then surely I need to express my gratitude in a way that will please the Lord. Well, this morning's text supplies us three ways to say thanks to God. First, take up the cup of salvation. Second, call upon the name of the Lord. And third, pay your vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Let's take a closer look this morning at Psalm 116 and learn how to say thanks to God. To me, verse 13 offers a truly strange means for expressing thanks. The psalmist answers, I will take up the cup of salvation, but recall the question, what shall I render or give to God for all his benefits? Here he tells us to give by instructing us to take. I give to God by taking? It really does sound strange until I think it through. For what can I truly give to God that he doesn't already possess? Hey, God is the one person on this earth who really does need nothing. There are folks on my Christmas list every year who are difficult to buy for because they already have everything I can afford to give them. And this is true with God. In Acts 17, Paul said to the Athenians, God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. This one true God that we worship and serve, this God is in need of nada. He possesses all things. Psalm 50 says, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our scrawny sacrifices don't impress him. I was at a Christmas party once when a friend of mine Well, someone suggested that we go around the room and we share what we intended to give to God that year for Christmas. Sounded like a good idea. Well, most of us talked about giving God more of our time or more of our money or more of our energy and service and so forth. Then it came my friend's turn. He shocked the group by announcing that he had nothing to give to God. Well, when someone asked him why, he replied, because God already owns everything I've got. Realize true gratitude begins with a frustration. God has given me so much, yet there's nothing I can really give to him. You see, all I can do is take what he's given and allow it to accomplish its intended purpose in my life. You see, we thank God for his blessings when we enjoy them to the fullest If you want to say thanks to God, take up that goblet of grace. Grab hold of that mug of mercy. Put it to your lips, friend, and take a deep, long drink. The cup of salvation brims with blessing. It's heavy with heaven. 
David was speaking of this cup in the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Savor every single drop of God's blessings. If you want to say thanks to God, you do so by taking advantage of his many and marvelous gifts. Think of it. God journeying from the heights of heaven to the depths of this earth, from the crib to the cross, from a cold, dark tomb to a throne in heaven, just to bring us blessings untold. The least we can do is to open up our hearts and receive his goodness for us. Try to compensate God for his gifts, and you only devalue them. If we could earn God's blessing, it would cheapen the price God paid to acquire them. As the poet put it, the best return for one like me, so wretched to the core, is from God's gifts to draw a plea and ask him still for more. If you want to say thanks to God for his grace, then ask him for some more. Turn up that cup of salvation and keep on drinking. My grandma was a southern gourmet. Grandma Adams could whip up a scrumptious meal in the blink of an eye. Black-eyed peas, cornbread, butter beans, hot buttered grits, collard greens, fried okra, biscuits and gravy, juicy fried chicken, all the extras on top of it. Now, if you're not a native southerner, that might not impress you. But trust me, if you could have sampled some of my grandma's cooking, you would be an admirer. She was amazing. When a visitor came to her house, I don't care what time of the day it was, she'd start dinner. And she'd invite you to her table. Before you knew it, she had served up a banquet fit for a king. And she would take nothing for it. In fact, if you tried to pay her, she'd be insulted. The only way you could say thanks to my grandma was to clean your plate. My grandma's reward for cooking was the joy of seeing somebody, seeing somebody scarf up her vittles and come roaring back for more. The greatest insult you could have given her was to nibble a bit and then push the plate aside as if you didn't like it. And that's the way it is with God's blessing. When we clean our plate and ask for more, we say thanks to God. But when we don't have time to eat, when we're too busy to come to his table, or when we fill up on the stuff of this world, we break God's heart. We insult God when we consume junk food and we feed on the garbage that this world offers and don't bring our appetites to his table. Here's a great quote. This is the height of all madness. This is the lowest depth of all sin. God spares not his only son, and we stand with our arms folded on our chest. You say thanks to God by grabbing hold of every single blessing that God bestows. Don't you waste a bit of God's grace. Turn up that cup of salvation and savor every single drop. Well, here's a second way to say thanks to God. Notice again verse 13. We're told to call on the name of the Lord. When trouble strikes, when a need arises, we say thanks to God by calling on him for help. 
Now again, this sounds strange. This sounds like a selfish way to express our thanks. You'd think we would do for God rather than ask God to do for us. But again, what can we really do for God that he can't do a better job of himself? You know, when a dad involves his toddlers in a project, he's not doing it because he needs the kid's help. If anything, the child's only going to slow him down and get in his way. No, dad gets his toddler to, quote, help him because he enjoys the child's company. Or maybe he wants to use the task to teach the child a skill. And this is why God involves us in his work. He doesn't need you or need me. When we serve the Lord, we're not doing God a favor. He's doing us a favor. See, we say thanks to God, not by helping him, but by asking for his help. You know, when my kids were younger and they got into trouble, they didn't do a Google search for the nearest PhD. They didn't canvas the university for an expert in the field. They didn't even dial 911. When those kids had a problem, they called DAD. They ran to dad, and they expected me to take over the situation and salvage a solution. And you know what? I wouldn't have had it any other way. Nothing flatters a father more than when a child turns instinctively to him for help. And the same is true with God. If you really want to say thanks to God, make him your first retreat in times of trouble, not your last resort. Let me give you another illustration. What if you found an automobile mechanic who does good work? The man is fair, he's honest, he's efficient. How do you say thanks to that automobile mechanic? Do you send him a thank you note? A pick-me-up bouquet? No way. Try that with a macho mechanic and he might just punch you in the nose. What that mechanic wants most is your return business. The next time your car breaks down, if you look up another mechanic, he'll assume you weren't satisfied with his service. But if he's the first person you call with your car, that mechanic knows that you appreciate his work. Hey, when you're sick, when an illness strikes you, what's your first reaction? Do you take an aspirin? Do you call a doctor? Or do you pray? Do you run to God for his intervention? When you're lonely, what's your first response? Call a friend? Take in a movie? Visit a bar? Or do you open your Bible and renew your friendship with God? When business dips, what's your first remedy? Oh, I got to increase marketing, or I got to downsize the labor force, or hire a consultant. Or do you get on your knees and recommit your business to God and trust in His blessing? And when you're tired and weary, where do you seek rest? Do you watch TV and veg out? Plan a vacation? Or do you ask God for His peace? You see, the psalmist tells tells us that you say thanks to God by calling on the name of the Lord. For many years when my kids worked their way through school, through college, I would proofread their English composition papers. First it was Natalie, and then it was Nick, and then it was Mac. Well, the kids figured out that it was nice to have an author in the family who could review their papers before they turned them in. 
And so invariably, they would email me their papers at 10 o'clock the night before the assignment was due the next day. And I would usually mumble something like, what did these kids expect me to do? Drop whatever I'm doing and help them out at a moment's notice? But that's not how I really felt. I was glad they wanted my help. In fact, I would have been insulted if they had ever stopped. The only time reviewing their papers ever bothered me was when we got back a grade of C minus. I'd get angry at the teacher. How did I get a C minus on that kid's composition paper? But when my kids ran to me for help, I loved it. I felt loved and trusted and appreciated. I'm glad they wanted my input. And this is how God feels when we call on him. Did you hear about the couple who wanted to get married? They got married at a travel agency. As it turns out, she was looking for a getaway, and he was her last resort. Is the Lord your last resort, or is he your first retreat? You say thanks to God by calling on the name of the Lord. And then the third way that the psalmist tells us that we can say thanks to God is to pay your vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The writer of Psalm 116 was so thankful to God that he would take his lamb, the pick of the litter, and he would parade his sacrifice through the streets of Jerusalem up to the temple without regard to the opinions of others, simply overwhelmed with love and enthusiasm for God, the psalmist would go up to the temple and he would offer his sacrifice openly and publicly before the community. And if we are truly thankful to God, we also will go public with our praise. You know, Jesus told us that when we pray, we should go into our closet and we should close the door behind us. Prayer is a private act. But man, when you praise God, you need to roll down the windows, whisper your prayers, but shout out your praise so all can hear. Psalm 107 verse 2 tells us, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We live in a day when every blasphemous, godless, evil imaginable gets drug out into the light of day and gets paraded across our TV screens. People flaunt their sacrilege and spew their irreverence. There's no shame anymore. It's about time that we who are followers of Jesus, who are grateful to God, grew just as bold and just as vocal with our praise. Let's stop acting like we're ashamed of our good God. Let's go out into the marketplace and let the world know that any success we've enjoyed is due to God's blessing and his grace. Praise and thanksgiving need to go public. I've never known much about cars. While the other boys had their heads under the hood tinkering with an engine, I was off somewhere dribbling a basketball. I know where to insert the key, and I know how to push down on the gas. But that's about the extent of my mechanical prowess. When it comes to automobiles, I'm pretty ignorant. But understand a vital point. Even though I might be ignorant... I sure don't like admitting it. Engines in Greece are macho stuff. 
A man should know his way around the engine block. No respect, self-respecting man wants to be known as mechanically illiterate. I'll never forget the day when I was outed. I was exposed. I was humiliated. Right after Kathy and I got married, we made a trip to North Lake Mall. We were just about to leave when the car wouldn't start. And so I popped the hood. Now, don't misunderstand. That didn't mean I was going to fix anything. I just heard that when your car doesn't start, you pop the hood. It's what you're supposed to do. I got out and I started tinkering around under the hood looking for what might be wrong. And Then a horrible thing happened. I mean, a horrible thing happened. Two guys started walking over to my car. I couldn't let them know how inept I was. So I started fiddling around, pretending I knew what I was doing. I grabbed a screwdriver. I started whacking stuff, you know, down there <laughs> underneath that thing. I didn't think it could get any worse. Oh, but it did. For right there, my newlywed wife gets out of the car and right in, in broad daylight, right in front of these two grown men, she takes the screwdriver out of my hand and she proceeds to play Mrs. Goodwrench and right there, she fixes the car. I was humiliated. My wife knew more about cars than I did, and now two other men had the evidence. I should have been thankful. In fact, later that night, I thanked Kathy privately, but publicly, in that moment, I was so embarrassed. And this is the problem that some people have in their relationship with God. Privately, they'll thank God. But publicly, they would rather everyone think that they were able to do it themselves. See, humans don't like broadcasting to other humans their ineptitude and their dependence. Why is that? Why is it so hard for us to admit our weaknesses? None of us are truly independent and self-sufficient people. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Did you know you were in debt the moment you entered this world? On the day you were born, you already owed somebody nine months room and board. You did. Psalm 100 verse 3 tells us that we all owe God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We depend on God for the air we breathe and for our next breath. Why is it so hard to be honest about our dependence on God and go public with our praise? I'll tell you the problem. It's pride. For pride slays thanksgiving. A proud person hates to say things. If he or she does, it shatters the illusion that they're in control. See, gratitude is the admission that I have a need that I can't meet. And we've all got those needs. I mean, who's fooling who? It's so freeing to just drop the facade and be grateful. The tribes in East Africa, they have an unusual way to say thank you. The Maasai tribe of Kenya, they bow their heads to the ground and they say, my head is in the dirt. Members from another tribe, they sit on the ground for a long time before the hut of the person to whom they're thankful. They say, I sit on the ground before you. 
See, these Africans understand a truth that makes gratitude so difficult for us. They realize that true thanksgiving is first and foremost an act of humility. See, the psalmist contends that we're not really grateful to God unless we're willing to lay aside our pride and go public with our praise. True thanksgiving won't be intimidated by the sneers or the slights or the scowls of other people. It will still rise up even when looked down on. Robert Walpole was Britain's first prime minister, but his administration fell because he was betrayed by former friends who voted him out of office. Walpole sat in the House of Commons that day as its members came forward to cast their votes to bring down his government. One by one, his opponents stepped up to cast their votes, and as each man passed, Walpole made comments to the reporters seated around him. He said, that fellow I saved from the gallows, and that one I saved from starvation, and I promoted his son to a high office in my government. On and on he went with similar stories. You see, every parliament member who voted against Walpole that day had a reason to be thankful to him. But rather than express their gratitude, they buckled under to the political pressures that were being applied. The parliament members lacked the courage to say thanks. When it comes to your relationship with God, don't ever let it be said that you buckled under to the political pressures in the office or in the neighborhood or among your friends and you cowered away from giving your great God the credit. You see, sometimes it takes guts to show gratitude. Don't just praise God in the safety of this church or in the quiet of your home. Be courageous and go public with your thanksgiving and praise. Let's all let this world around us know that the mercies we've been shown come from our great God. Let me close with a story of a man who found the barn where Satan kept his seeds. He found the barn. Inside there were seeds of discouragement and doubt and fear and lust and greed and guilt. It frightened him to hear Satan boasting of how his seeds would take root and grow in most any type of soil. The man questioned him, are you sure they'll grow in any soil? Satan had to backtrack. He reluctantly admitted, well, there's one place where I can never get them to grow, and that's in the heart of a grateful person. Oh, how we need to be thankful people. And how do we say thanks to God for all his benefits toward us? The psalmist speaks of three ways. Take up the cup of salvation. Friend, grab that cup of salvation and savor every single blessing that the blood of Jesus has purchased for you. Call upon the name of the Lord. In times of trouble, run to your heavenly Father for help. And pay your vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people by all means. Go public with your praise and do it all in Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your love for us in this great day. 
Thank you for your people. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for the faithful pastor and his wife who care for and love this flock, who teach them so faithfully and who teach beyond just the four walls of this church that teach us too. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Damien. We pray your blessing on him in Calvary Chapel Modesto. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Sandy Adams. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Sandy's teaching ministry by visiting sandyadams.org.